0: Hello and welcome to Talking Economics, where we give our authoritative take on global markets, the economy and the world of business. I'm your host, Salak Saravanan, and thank you for tuning in to this episode. In the last few episodes, I looked at how the retail industry was impacted during the pandemic and the future of the industry. So in today's episode, I'm going, to, I'm going to look at a different industry that was impacted during the pandemic. And that industry is the information technology industry. The information technology industry benefited greatly during the pandemic, and that is primarily because consumers were in lockdown. Thus, firms had to go online and continue their businesses to avoid bankruptcy. Therefore, the demand for goods and services produced by the information technology grew substantially, resulting in its revenue increasing as well. To tell us more about how the industry was impacted, we have Mr. Guru Venkatachalam. Mr. Guru has been in the technology industry for several years. Thank you very much for being here, Mr. Guru. Before we dive into this episode, could you please share with us more information about yourself,
1: yeah, thank you, Tilak, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. Nice being here. Um, as you mentioned, uh, I have been in the technology industry for, say, 25-plus years or so. Uh, studied in India, started my career back in India, and then close to nine years or so in Hong Kong, uh, and then the last couple of decades, close to 20 years now in Singapore, mainly has been a technologist in the FSI industry. So I used to head the architecture and engineering team in Citibank um, for a couple of decades, till 2019. And in 2019, now I've joined uh, uh, in the technology vendor community itself as another technologist, as a CTO for the company today. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for sharing some light on yourself. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. As I highlighted earlier, the pandemic had a huge impact on several industries, and your industry actually benefited the most during the pandemic. Can you just explain to us the impact the pandemic had on your industry?
1: Yeah, what I would say that um, it's demanded by the customers, right? And what do I mean by that is um, uh, consumers who are consuming any type of services, especially in the banking industry, although they have started for a year or so, for a decade plus or so, consuming all the services in their mobile device. In the last uh, 48 months, um during COVID and whatnot, I'm sure, sorry, in the last 18 months, you must have seen that uh, uh, be in the health industry, be the government, how they're interacting with citizens, uh, or being in the food industry, or the travel industry, or the banking industry, etc. Every customer, is de- they're all demanding that the services are delivered over mobile devices. And what does that mean is then uh, all these industries needs to Uh, digitize their business processes and deliver all these services to their customers in a digital fashion and the customers are demanding that those services are delivered anywhere on any device and to do that um, yeah technology has been an enabler Uh, so that's why you have seen in the last 18 to 24 months that uh, many technology companies whether they are the cloud vendors or the software vendors have been helping the enterprise companies in their digital transformation journey. So that's the impact you've been seeing.
0: With the huge increase in demand during the short period for your industry, how does it adapt that demand so they can meet the supply?
1: Um, I mean, very good question, Tilak. Um, at the end of the day, that the digital transformation as such, it's already an overhyped word. It's not happened during, during covid But what's obvious is it's definitely accelerated. Almost every company would say that uh, five years' worth of digital transformation, and now they are able to do it in six months or 12 months or whatever the case may be. Uh, The way I see it is um, it's all driven by the customers, right? So if I'm a banking customer, I don't want to be going to the branch, or I can't go to the branch in the last 12 months. Uh, I would rather expect the bank to deliver everything on my mobile device whether from an acquisition perspective as a customer or all the way to any type of products what I consume from a bank same thing where I cannot go to a restaurant I just want to order food to my to, to be delivered wherever I am when I want to book um, any type of travel etc using taxis and whatnot similarly that um, we all live in Singapore we know the emergence of the trace together app. which gives us which gives the government an opportunity to trace whoever I'm interacting with so previously customers used to have some concerns uh, adopting these solutions but now it's driven by um, COVID um, as an environment where customers are also getting used to rather they are demanding they don't care where they are they just want to consume and they just want the services to be delivered wherever they are. To do that Majority of the enterprise companies they are looking for the right people, and it and it's not easy. The around the skill set and the type of expertise out there to help the companies to transform. So the demand is there. From a supply perspective, products are there as well, um, but the right people out there the architects and the software developers and the business process um, architects, etc. Um, there is a constraint, and most of the industries are definitely seeing it, and that's actually hampering the progress, if I can call it that way. Um, IT products are there, but the business process needs to be evolved properly, so the right skill sets need to be there as well.
0: Mm-hmm. With the information technology industry benefits hugely during the lockdown, but several developed economies are easing lockdown rules, and so firms have the option of remote working or reopening physical offices. So Lisa's question, post the pandemic, how will your industry be impacted? Will the demand for your products and services decrease or will they remain the same?
1: I mean, what I would say is um, um, it will continue to, uh, the demand for the products will continue to be there. And in fact, in some cases, um, people will be expecting more. So what do I mean by that is um, previously some customers or maybe even some of the enterprise boardrooms, there were debates whether things were technically possible or not. Now at least in the last 12 to 18 months, people have seen they are forced to deliver these services to their customers wherever they are. But whether they are delivering the right experience, whether it's fully secure, uh, depends on the maturity of uh, the customer's digital transformation journey. So there will be a definite push. I don't think that the pendulum is going to come back to wherever it was before. So the digitization, as I said, will continue to happen. And in many areas, it will only accelerate. And people will be questioning, again, driven by the demand from the customer. Regardless of any industry, the customers are going to expect everything to be delivered digitally to them. To do that, almost all enterprise companies will be looking at their business processes which are in place and see what are the things that they can do to digitize it so they can deliver to their customers properly. Um, absolutely. So absolutely, the demand for the, the technology product, the demand for the uh, necessary skill set, the demand for the nec- those type of expertise to digitize their business processes will only be there. And it will only um, exponentially grow, is my opinion.
0: Thank you. During the pandemic, data became a huge de- talking point, primarily because there were arguments why data should be a factor of production. So it leads me to question, is data a factor of production? Why is it?
1: No, absolutely. Again, it's um, because all these manual processes are getting delivered digitally to their mobile devices. So what that means is that the amount of data which is getting created uh, and also can be consumed and analyzed so that the services can be delivered in real time, 24 by 7 to any customers. So just the sheer amount of data which is getting created has uh, uh, exploded uh, and it's not any new trend, it's been there for the last decade or so but it's only grown even more in the last uh, um, year and a half so whether it's in the form of digital streaming uh, instead of people you know, moving to theatres you know, uh, OTT and those type of platforms or otherwise um, uh, again same thing, whether it's to do with any type of banks or health or uh, the type of The more you change the business processes to digital, the amount of data you're going to create is also going to grow exponentially. Mm
0: -hmm. The other four factors of production, capital, land, labor, and enterprise, have been around since the start of each economy, and governments know how to regulate these four markets. But data is still an unknown market to an extent, as governments are only starting to impose rules in these markets. For example, the Chinese government is imposing several regulations on the information technology industry, and how industries how data is consumed. However, the industry has been responsible for the growth of several economies, and imposing such regulations will impact the firm's profitability, its initial public offerings, and its growth. So, is it fair for governments to impose poli- such policies on the industry?
1: I mean, uh, this is probably the best question I would say. Um, even even before COVID, um, someone mentioned that the data is is the new oil. Um, for, for I mean for the for the market. as you rightly pointed out, because the data is getting created and consumed and analyzed and there is this demand about for enterprise companies to deliver the right product at the right location to the right customer, that means again, people are going to depend on data quite a bit. And um, uh, so this, so these are all the positive aspects of it. but on the other hand, obviously the complexity has significantly increased. And data is actually challenging the the barriers, if I can call it that way, or challenging the walls between various countries and what we call as so emergence of sovereign risks, right? Sovereign rules and whatnot. So, if I can understand uh, what the user's profile is and what type of uh, you know interest the customer has, then I'm going to start knowing the customer's behavior. And there is a very thin line between understanding the customer behavior and also influencing the customer's behavior themselves. So that's why you named a country where they're already having these rules. Um, They're looking into these rules and it's not only about China, but many other countries are also looking at where the data is getting hosted, where the data is getting stored centrally or regionally, and how how it's getting analyzed, who has access to these type of data, and whether the behavior of all these people can be influenced, uh, etc. So how the technology can be used uh, ethically or unethically, there is a very thin line, tech for good or tech for bad. And I know we have, we have seen number of examples over the last few years where it can be potentially used for good, and that's what we want the world to adopt it. But at the same time, in some cases, it's also been used for bad. And that's actually what's driving many governments to look at hey, do they really have the necessary regulatory controls and processes and procedures in place so the data can be created, consumed, and analyzed and adopted properly. Um, so this trend, uh, the pendulum is swinging, uh, in my opinion, and it will take, take some time for it to settle down because the amount of data which gets generated is also huge. The amount of data, where how it's getting analyzed, and also adopted to influence customers' behavior is also changing as we speak. So, number of governments and the uh, uh, regulators are also getting used to it at this point in time, um, and it will take some time for for it to settle down. And I'm sure that it's not going to be just one country. Almost every country is going to look at it very, very seriously.
0: Mm-hmm. But from a consumer perspective, is security needed because using that data, producers can provide better goods and services and cater the consumers so from a consumer's perspective i get uh, they're going to get better uh, goods and services so why do governments have to regu- regulate the industry
1: again very good point because as as a citizen um so this goes back to even few decades before right for my protection i will expect my government to play a role to protect me right and uh, now what we are seeing is um, uh, because of this adoption of technologies and especially in the last uh, uh, 18 months where everything is getting to any user, any device, any location. I'm pausing intentionally here because that means any device, any user, any location, that means that the complexity has significantly increased, right? How the customer is getting authenticated, how the customer is getting entitled, whether it's the right customer uh, doing the right transaction in the right place, et cetera, all those questions are being asked. So the, again, the, this, pendulation, the, this pendulum is going between distributed and centralized, right? And what do I mean by that in technical terms? That people used to go to an office to work. People used to think that there is a perimeter in their data center where things are secure. People used to have servers and storage and, and, and all these type of things where the customer data is being stored. People used to think all those things are secure. But what, now what has happened is, what is the perimeter? can we even think that there is okay going to an office is that a perimeter keeping all the server and storage in the data center is that a perimeter and or otherwise keeping it in a cloud is that is that uh, a, a perimeter um, so now what is happening is we are uh, we are living in a world where there is no perimeter at all so what does that mean is the complexity from a security perspective has significantly increased so it's not only about a person who is entitled to do to the job Whether the location the person is in, whether uh, the type of infrastructure, if the person is working from home or or the person is carrying a device, whether it's secure or not. How am I going to trust the person, the device, the location, all those things? So what we call in technical terms is zero trust. So I need to have technical solutions in place where I'm not going to trust anything and I will trust only on the fly. So that's why we have things, what we call as multi-factor authentications, and whether the person is entitled to do the job and have access to the data only to do, the, to, to do that type of role, uh, etc. And also to ensure that the device, what they carry is secure, the location, where the work is secure, and, e- and even in certain cases, whether the mindset of the person is right or not to do the type of role what they do. So the complexity has significantly increased, and what would that mean is we need to have all these necessary security process and procedures in place to ensure that the service delivered is appropriate to the customer. Again, as I as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, that uh, this is all driven by the demand from the customer because customers, they are expecting everything to be delivered digitally to them.
0: Mm-hmm. But as we mentioned earlier, the policies uh, different governments going to be introducing, and how governments are going to enforce a lot more policies in the coming years. What are the long term impacts of these policies?
1: You will you will go through a, a situation where all these countries need to come together and agree, um, and have some necessary policies in place, right? Like for example, um, yes, how many copies of data people need to have. So whether it's in India, for all Indian customers, do we need to have a copy of data locally in India? What about uh, China? What about Singapore? What about uh, Russia? What about US and whatnot? So people are debating about, as I, as I mentioned earlier, sovereign policies, yet at the same time that we want to deliver the services um, through banks and credit card companies, etc., cetera. Um, they need to have access to the data to deliver the right type of services to the customer. So uh, just as an example here, blockchain as a particular platform, how I want to uh, distribute and also centralize and deregulate. So those type of solutions will come into picture and as it gets more mature, the the level of protection what people can have to satisfy the regulatory requirements of the governments and also it deliver the right services to the customer.
0: By regulating um, economy, the industry itself, it may encourage firms to leave that economy, you know. So how do economies which are heavily relying on the information technology industry move forward? If they regulate it too much, they might just drive them out. And if they don't regulate it at all, it might lead cons- might lead to consumers' uh, interest losing.
1: I mean, that's the, that's the pendulum. So, uh, again, having been in the FSI industry, I can only tell you that... Uh, um, risk and control and compliance etc it's part and parcel Uh, so if you are being a custodian uh, for the customers who you serve it's extremely important because you want to be uh, you want to have a policy where you're zero tolerance on any security issues because at the end of the day that's paramount having said that uh, this might sound like it's going to uh, you know be counterproductive from an innovation perspective the way I see it is um, classic example is Singapore regulator um, regulator enabled innovation. Right? Singapore is a thriving economy where we have fintechs in place. Yes, you need to innovate at almost every stage of the way how the business processes are getting transformed and the services are getting delivered to the customer. But at the same time, it needs to have the necessary, uh, you know, security controls and uh, uh, and various aspects in place as well to do that. Yeah, you innovate in the security space to, uh, to have the uh, right products in place and then uh, uh, use solutions such as artificial intelligence and machine learning and whatnot uh, with the right controls. So do doing all those things ethically and adopting technology for good uh, yeah, will be governed and driven by the regulators and it's only a good thing in my opinion. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned earlier about how governments need to come together and uh have a c- have a s- a s- the same set of regulations but if if a certain co- uh, government says i'll i'll create my own policies what will the impact be then and if that policy benefits can industries the industry more will we see a shift in all companies going towards that country and leave uh leaving the other country?
1: This, no, this, this so this is just like any other um regulatory requirement right so it will never be the same across all the countries being uh, exactly the same set of requirements. Um, people will look at the risks what the countries face and depending on where they are in their maturity of their digital transformation journey, they will apply those uh, necessary controls in place and, and also um, expect their uh, technology industries to come to the table and, and innovate. So whether it's U.S. or China or Russia or India or Japan or you just name them. Um, so it's a race. It's a race for uh, to be technically innovative at the same time to have the right security controls in place. So,
0: Thank you very much, Mr. Guru, for your profound insights. Thanks for listening to Talking Economics. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into how the information technology industry was impacted during the pandemic and how its future is shaping out to be. My next episode will be diving deeper into the future of the information technology industry. If you're keen to hear more about it, tune in next week. Thank you. <laughs>